We're at the end of our series, a six-week series on worship. Um, As we've been walking through this series, we've been talking about worship in relationship, worship in spirit and in truth, worship in freedom, worship in perspective. This morning we're going to talk about worship in music, worship in song. Number one, worship God with music. What do we mean by worship God with music? We do it 20 minutes every service. We have instruments that take place up here, and we all stand up and we sing songs in regards to worship. Worship in song, but it also means after you leave this place, turn worship music on. Sing worship music in your mind. Sing worship music even at home. Consistently have music going on in your life during the week that is focused directly on God. That's what it means to worship in song. Is it really that important? Does music really have that much of an effect on people? Does music really um, a tool that God uses for the purpose of something? Does music carry something that something else might not carry? Just look at uh, this sermon. We're going to be talking about the effects that music has on us, the effect that worship has on us. And as we do, we just want to look through those different effects and come up with why God wants us to worship in song. Before we do, talking about music a little bit, is music is a part of every person's life. It's also a part of every single culture, every single society. Music is not just an American thing. Music is known all the way through the world. Everybody in their minds are, are singing songs. In fact, Mongolia and Siberia, there's not like a lot of instruments that take place there, but they have a, a throat singing that takes place. They want the beats to take place. And so they're, they're a sense of throat singing, even as they worship different things and those things. But in their culture, music always comes out. Native American cultures, they use drums, they use singing, they use voices. Across the board, everybody is singing. Everybody is using instruments. Then we can look at America some statistics, 22% of people in America listen to music one to two hours a day. One to two hours a day, 22%. Now, that's pretty fascinating, but it's even more fascinating that 23% of Americans listen to music five to six hours a day. Now, this was so high that I was thinking, you know, are you sure that we listen to music five to six hours a day? If you start thinking about it, every time we go in the car, what do we do? We turn on music. We always want sound in the background. According to these statistics, 45% of people listen to music one to five hours a day. Music is extremely important to the human being. If it's important to the human being, what about the one who created music? What did he want it to do for the human being? What was his purpose behind music? All the way through the Bible, you see that music is a theme. God wrote a book. The entire book is about songs. Music is a theme. But also in the Bible, you'll see almost a command, praise, a command, worship, a command, sing. Psalms 96, 1 through 2, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Now, we uh, often think that the Bible is a book of rules. Um, It can be. And here's one rule. Sing. What's another rule? Love. 
It's interesting. God's rules are coming out. The things he wants us to do are something that's going to have an impact on us. This verse is going to have an impact on us. Therefore, he's given us a command. Sing to the Lord. Sing a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. It doesn't stop there. Psalms 47, 6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Uh, What point is that verse trying to get? Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. I think it just wants you to sing praises. A direction to us. Psalms 33, 1 through 3. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play, play skillfully and shout for joy. It's not only singing. He wants us to do what? He wants to get instruments involved even as we sing. Martin Luther made a statement. He said, next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. Martin Luther was the head of the Reformation. And do you know what he believed? He believed that the Reformation would only be complete as long as people would have two books in their hand. One book was the Bible. And of course, they translated it everywhere to get the, book of, to get the Bible in people's hands. But the other book that Martin Luther was referring to was a Psalter, which we know is a, is a hymn book. Um, he wanted to get the book of song in people's hands. Why was he so passionate about it? Why is the Bible so passionate about it? Let's see. Number two, worshiping with music is the hammer that pounds God's word into your mind. I remember going to Awana. When I was going to Awana, I would have to all these verses that I have to memorize. And I would slave labor over the verses, and then I would not be able to quote them word for word. But then, of course, we came to the group time, and what did we do? We sang, and we did a lesson, but they tricked me because I knew all the songs, and I can quote all the songs by by Batum, just be able to say them. How could I say them that easy? The reason why is because if you put a beat to the songs, the words automatically stick into your mind. The words automatically go to your head. If you want to memorize something, put a beat to it. Put a rhythm to it. Put a song to it. And if you do, the words will stick. The words will stay. And the words will be there in even a powerful way. Looking at a study in 2009, issue of American Academy of Pediatrics, Pediatrics did a research, um, and they came up with, reported that the exposure, and this is on a negative sense, the exposure of violence, sexual uh, messages, sexual stereotypes, and of substance abuse, if you put them into music videos, they might produce a significant change in the behaviors and the attitudes of those viewers. So they've taken all this study of all these negative things, and with these negative things, if you want to have an effect on people, just put it into music. And what's going to happen is it's in music. It's going to go into their minds, go into their hearts, and then come out with the behavior. The same way I believe that God creating music. If he's going to create music, he wants the Bible to go into your minds. He wants it to go into your head. He wants to go to your heart, and he wants your behavior to go out. Therefore, in the Bible, the central theme specifically is music. Music pounds things into the mind. You listen to it, the same song over and over again. We do that. But what is taking place? It's going into the mind. You memorize music. You meditate on music. And as soon as it's inside of you, it starts to come out. 
in your actions. Therefore, if the theme of the Bible is we've got to have put song to the word, put song of praise on your lips, put song of glory in your mind, what's it there for? Is it there to affect the mind? Is it there to affect the heart? Is it there to affect the behavior? Colossians three sixteen says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's just not dwell in you. It's dwell in you richly. Now he's going to explain, Paul the author is going to explain, this is how you let it dwell in you richly. As you teach and abonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart to God. This verse is saying if you want the word of God to dwell in your heart richly, there's five things that you should be doing. Two of them are not worship. Three of them are worship. Teach, abonish one another, and then the three, four, and five, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude. Is worship a tool to get the word planted deep into your mind? Is worship a tool to get the word planted deep into your heart? Number three, God uses music. How? Worshiping with music is the wings that expand our view of reality. In this world, we see that many of our reality that we live in is, is trauma, is brokenness, is sickness, is death, is loss, is oppression, is depression. We live in a sinful world, and as a result of the sinful world, there's a lot that's coming out of it, at us, and a lot of our reality is very negative. How do we escape the reality if we don't want to live in it? If we have brokenness, loss, trauma, how do we escape the reality if we don't want to live in it? The majority of people use alcohol as a source to escape the reality because they don't want to face it. They don't want to face it. Alcohol numbs the system. It's a depressant that will make reality a lot more smaller. And as a result, people use it because they don't want to see the reality. I'm going to read you a verse because I want to ask a question. Is there any other way besides alcohol that you can get through the situations that you're in? Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. How do you be filled with the Spirit? Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and song, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Have you ever looked at that verse and say, what's the author trying to communicate? What's Paul trying to communicate in this passage? He's comparing, do not get drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why would those two have any sort of comparison whatsoever? You'd almost think that they're on two different pages, but Paul puts them all in one sentence, one verse here. Do not get drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Martin Lloyd-Jones did a study on this, and, and he came up with that alcohol is a depressant, which we all know. But what happens in a depressant? A depressant gives you joy and gives you boldness by making you less aware of reality. A depressant gives you joy and boldness by making you aware less, less aware of your reality. So have you ever seen a drunk person that's walking on the street? He doesn't really care. He doesn't care how he looks. 
He doesn't care how people view him. He doesn't care what's taking place. His reality is focused in so small that he has no cares in the world. Therefore, he has boldness and he has joy. What's the spirit? Spirit is a stimulant. But the spirit carries a power that gives you joy and boldness by making you more aware of reality. The Spirit gives you joy and boldness by making you more aware of reality. So how does this work? We are dealing with trauma. We're dealing with brokenness. We're dealing with sickness. Alcohol is used because we want to make, I want to escape reality and get down and get away and escape from this world. But being filled with the Spirit is what? I don't want to escape. What I want to do is I want to see more of the picture of the world that I live in from a perspective that is not only in the brokenness, not only in the trauma, but has a perspective that's so far beyond, maybe even an eternal perspective. Just give you an example of what I'm talking about. Say there's somebody um, that committed abortion uh, while they were young. It is a something that stays with an individual, something the individual carries. It's a burden, it's a pain, it's a hurt, and it's something that somebody wants to take, be taken away from them. So if you look at the reality in their mind, the reality is, this is the reality, I have it on my shoulders, and I can't get rid of it. Alcohol will condense the reality and make the pain go away, temporarily, of course, and ruin you in the process. But what about taking it to a different level. Taking it to a different level of worship. What about moving to God and singing songs and spiritual hymns and making music in your heart and in that process being filled with the Spirit? What's going to take place is that thing that is hanging on to you is going to open up in a larger picture. It's going to open up into a larger picture. What is the umbrella? The umbrella is the umbrella of God. The umbrella is God's perspective on the issue, is God's perspective on the, the item that took place. Therefore, what are you going to see from God's perspective if an abortion happened and you're carrying it? You're going to see nothing but extreme amount of grace. You're going to see nothing but an extreme amount of love. You'll see nothing but peace that is offering to you. You will see a cross that has been given to you. You'll see a resurrection that you have. See, what happens is God wants us to be filled with the Spirit. We have things that are pulling us down. He says, don't let it pull you down and grab depressants. No, what you want to do is you want to come to the throne room of worship and start singing. And when you do, what's going to take place? You're going to see grace, peace, beauty, King of kings, Lord of lords, die and raise again specifically for that sin and also specifically for you as a result you will see freedom. But even a step further, if that takes place, God's going to show you something else. You know what he's going to show you? He's going to show you that there's many people that are all around you that are carrying that same burden. And he is going to use you as a redeemed person to minister specifically to them. Alcohol condenses the reality, makes you hide, makes you want to run, makes you want to step back. Worship, according to this passage, is open up the reality from a perspective that God has over the issue, the trauma, and the circumstance you're dealing with and gives you an understanding of what you can do with what has taken place in your life. 
Number four, worshiping with music is the wind that lifts our soul. There's been lots of studies on music and what it does to the mind. A couple of studies is it improves your verbal IQ just by listening to music, not necessarily worship, just music. It makes you feel happy. I think we know that, that if we turn on music, the emotions start going towards the beat, makes us feel happy. It has an effect on your stress and anxiety, and singing also brings you together. Don't ever forget the creator of music. Who is it? It is God. God created it with a purpose. God created it with a purpose, and the Word of God continually expresses that purpose. George Campbell Morgan says, the book of Psalms is the book in which the emotions of the human soul find expression. Whatever mood you're in, I can find a psalm for that, to express it. Are you glad? I could find a psalm that you can sing in that regard. Are you sad? I could find a psalm that will suit that occasion. The psalm range over the whole gamut of human emotions. The human's emotions are where? They're connected to music. They're connected to song. When we read the psalms, as we're reading the psalms, does it have an effect on our life? Are we singing it with the joy that is written in the book? Or are we just getting through it? It is there to have an effect. Martin Luther says, if you want comfort, if you want to comfort the sad, you want to terrify the happy, if you want to encourage the despairing, if you want to humble the proud, if you want to pacify the aggressive, there's no more effective way than music. Psalms 103, 1 through 5. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all its benefits. There's a command there. Praise God with your soul. And then there's a statement. Because if you do, you will not forget its benefits. What, if it's, what are its benefits? Number three, verse three. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with joy and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise His almost being. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Do not forget its benefits. It is carrying a lot of benefits that come specifically from what? From praising God. Yes, we give God glory and we give Him praise because He is um, worthy of it. He has earned it. He deserves it. He should have it. But there's a blessing that comes on us in the result of us praising Him, of us singing of His glory. It comes with benefits that speak directly, not to only our mind, but directly to our heart. Psalms 42.11 Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. Number five, worshiping with music is the tool that changes your beliefs into character. A couple weeks ago, we talked about worship in spirit and in truth. Those two are not separate. You can't just worship in truth and not spirit, and you cannot worship just in spirit and not truth. Those two go together. So what is truth? It's the Bible. The Bible leads to a deeper understanding of your faith. 
So when you open up the Bible, what's going to take place? You are going to get an information that leads to a deeper understanding of God's amazing grace that you have and your belief in him as you're reading the Bible. But what is spirit? Spirit is what? The emotions that are inside of us. When you worship with truth and spirit, what's taking place? You are not putting the understanding in your mind. You are celebrating what you already know. Therefore, the Bible leads to a deeper understanding of your faith, and the Psalter leads to a celebration of your faith. We can understand a lot of things, but by understanding a lot of things, does it ever get to the heart? Often, it stops at the head. If it does stop at the head, how do you get it to the heart? What do you do is you celebrate. You celebrate the truth with worship. You sing praise of the truth that you have received. Uh, Worship music makes your faith uh, come alive. We can know faith in our head, but is it alive until we start celebrating what God has done for us? Psalms 59, 16, But I will sing of your strength. In the morning I will sing of your love. For you are my fortress, my refuge in time of trouble. O my strength, I sing praise to you. You, O God, are my fortress, my loving God. The whole Bible makes a huge statement. And the statement is, God loves you. He loves you so much that he went to the cross for your sins and he died in your place. And then he rose again, purifying you so you can live forever with him. That is the gospel and it is said many, many times. But is it something that we just hear Is it something that we just say? Or is it something that we celebrate with song? This psalmist is saying, I will sing of your love. I will sing of your strength. I will sing that you are my fortress. It's moving far past the mind, and it's going specifically to his heart. And that is where it changes. That's where it is made real. Number six, worshiping with music is the protein that keeps the body strong. A couple weeks ago, my oldest daughter, 17 years old, um, told me, she goes, I want to go on an adventure. And I would never turn down my 17-year-old daughter if she wants to go on an adventure. So, of course, I said, well, let's look at the calendar and see what we have. And we found out that we had three days last week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Cannot go Sunday, cannot go Thursday. But we could go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for an adventure. And we said, let's go on the Rogue River Trail. 42-mile hike, and down in southern Oregon. Three days, thinking, okay, we've got to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, and we've got to get down there, go 16 miles the first day, 8 miles the next day, and then go 19 miles the next day, and then drive home in that three-day period, and it would be a great adventure. She was all over it. Of course, she didn't know what she was getting into, but she was like, yeah, I'm excited about this. Let's go. So I have some pictures that will show you of this adventure that we took place last week. There's my daughter, strong, flexing her muscles. And that is my nephew. He was up here playing the drums earlier, Josiah. And we went on the hike together with my dog. The next picture, uh, yes, the country was absolutely beautiful. The next picture, we were completely and entirely enjoying ourselves, but there's something better than hiking. Something better than hiking was this. It was sitting. (laughs) When you went so long, there was just something beautiful about sitting on your tail, bringing pressure off of your feet. It was exhausting. It was hot. It was difficult. It was 
fast and it was not easy. And this is what we looked like when we got into camp almost every night. This was my daughter here that says, what are we doing? And then this is my nephew here. Now, I, he doesn't even know I put this picture up here. <laughs> but he goes, my stomach has reacted because I've burned all my calories and I don't know what's going on after lunch, so I just need to sit here in this position. I don't know why, but that's what position he wanted to sit in. He's not praying, that's the position he wanted to sit in. So looking at this, yes, it was an exhausting trip, but there was somebody that did really, really well. And that was my dog. <laughs> he had four legs. And therefore, since he did so well, we wanted to make fun of him at night. So we gave him peanut butter and liked to watch him swallow it. And we found great enjoyment and laughter trying to get him to swallow peanut butter as we mocked him and made fun of us. It made us feel a lot better as we mocked him. So we enjoyed that. At the end of the trail, our last stretch, 10 miles, we knew we had a lot of uphill to go. I, I brought my cell phone and I had three days charged, and I looked at 10 miles ago, and I said 40%. I'm like, ha, I don't need my alarm anymore. Let's play some music. So sure enough, put it on my cell phone, put it in my backpack. I know it's the country, but this is the modern world that we live in. Put it in my backpack and started playing some music. I will tell you that it was a breath of fresh air. It seemed like it took our minds off the trail, took our minds off our feet. It seems like we started to go faster, and those hills at the end, Josiah said, I didn't even know we went uphill, you know, as we were going, going up. It just gave us an extreme amount of energy. How did it give an extreme amount of energy? I don't know if it was the beat. I don't know if it was the excitement. I don't know if it pulled our minds off of what was going on. But it carried a powerful tool that gives you strength. Habakkuk three seventeen. Though the fig trees does not bud, there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. This person's on a trail that is not easy where every situation, it sounds like, is going very badly for him. But what does he do to find strength? I will not stop rejoicing. I will not stop singing. I will not stop letting the words come off my mouth that the King of kings and the Lord of lords is a God who is worthy of praise, and I will continually praise him. According to this verse, this is what got them through. This is exactly what got him through the tough trail, the tough life that he had. He brought songs to God. He brought rejoicing to God. He brought psalms to God. He brought praise to God. And through the situation, started to look strangely dim in the process of this author going through it. Number three, worshiping with music is the door you open to let God in. There's a difference between reading the Bible and celebrating the Bible. There's a difference to accepting Jesus and celebrating Jesus. There's a difference between attending church and celebrating at church. What is the difference? I believe that the difference is that when you celebrate, you are declaring that it has impacted not only your mind, but it has impacted your heart. When you start celebrating the gospel, you're saying the gospel is no longer here. The gospel is here. When you even celebrate in church what God has done, it's not all up here, it's here. 
the challenge would be move from knowing it to celebrating it. And according to the Bible, the command is sing as you celebrate. What takes place as we celebrate, there's something that I would almost even say, I would say is spiritual, is uh, supernatural. What I mean by supernatural is that wherever God's at, there's songs. Wherever God's at, there's worship. We see that in Isaiah, we see it in Revelation, and we see it that the angels always praised him in his presence. So what takes place if praise and worship comes on our lips? I believe that the Spirit comes in a way that, like no other, in a sense of feeling Him, in a sense of knowing Him, in a sense of understanding Him, in a sense of getting to know Him more and more and more. And of course, if we choose not to sing, I'd say maybe the Spirit doesn't show up like it could. Second Chronicles tells a story about the temple that was built and completed. All the way through the Old Testament, we know that the manifest presence of God rested on the Ark of the Covenant and was going to fill the temple. It was in the tabernacle while Moses, was, um, while Moses carried the Ark, but now it's going to move into the temple. So Solomon built the temple. As he built the temple, they put the Ark of the Covenant there. They put the golden lampstands. The temple was complete. Everything was there except one thing, God. God was not there. But God shows up. What brought him? Let's read the story. The priests then withdrew from the holy place. All the priests who were there consecrated themselves, regardless of their divisions. All the Levites who were musicians, Asaph, Haman, Judithan, and their sons and relatives stood at the east side of the altar, dressed in fine linen and playing cymbals and harps and lyres. They were accompanied by 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpets and the singers joined in unison, as with one voice, to give praise and thanks to the Lord. Accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments, they raised their voices in praise to the Lord God and sang, He is good. His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. It's interesting that they had to put everything in there. They were singing, love endures forever, but there was cymbals, there was trumpets, there was lyres, there was every, all these instruments that were playing. And as they're playing, God then shows up in a way that uh, blows them away. In a sense, as soon as he shows up, it's like we can't even do it anymore because the presence of God has now arrived at the temple. We can take this story, and as we take this story, when we sing, when we worship, it's a, an activity that is supernatural in regards to understanding who God is and his manifest presence being in our life. It is something that is powerful, it is something that is strong, and God fills the heart of the person who sings and worships. Number eight, a person full of praise is ready for all other exercises. I first started the, the series. Uh, if you can get praise and worship down, everything else will come. If you can get praise and worship down, everything else will come because praise, if you get praise down, you're ready for every single exercise. If you're a new believer, you think, okay, what do I need to do? 
What do I need to read? What do I need to understand? How do I pray? How do I study? How do I come to church? How you got all these rules that come down in your mind. If you get the one thing, praise and worship correctly, everything else will come. What is praise? What is worship? God, you're amazing. God, you're beautiful. God, thank you. And you're bringing musical instruments, and you're bringing your voice, describing that. And what has taken place is you and God are falling in love in a relationship that is so strong and so deep. Therefore, everything afterwards is going to be put together. You hear the words, the only two commandments that fill the entire law? Number one, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Number two is love others. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. How do we do it? The vehicle of music. The vehicle of worship. The vehicle of song is where God goes past your mind and into your heart. Where you don't know him mentally, but you know him personally. Father, we just thank you for the tool of of worship. You have commanded that we worship you, that we praise you, that we give you glory, that we give you honor, that we sing of your beauty and your majesty. God, we thank you for that command because inside of that command we know that it's where we meet you in a way that we never would if we refused to worship. God, I just pray that all of us take full advantage of song, of music, and of worship. We need every part of you, God. And God, we just know that it is a tool that gives us every part of you. We just ask that you empower us to do it. In Christ's name, amen.